You can find the comic book characters on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash kneelbeforepod or follow us on Twitter at cbcharacters. You can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. And now you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Search comic book characters. Hey everyone out there in the CBC universe, it is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred. And as always, I've got my gracious co-host, Chris, the creator, Gossidus! How you doing, sir? What's up, homie? How you doing? I'm doing and great. Doing well, doing well on this Mother's Day weekend. Um, you know, I actually, I don't think my mom's going to hear this until Mother's Day, so I feel that I can spoil this. Uh, she's got a very Wonder Woman-heavy mother's day kind of theme coming at her for tomorrow <laughs> she's a huge wonder woman fan and i nice. know she's super psyched about the movie we'll actually uh, be covering the the last trailer uh, yeah, in this podcast <clears throat> as well as a bunch of other things but i think the the thing that everyone has been waiting with bated breath is for our take our review on guardian <laughs> Wow. Take two. Take two. I could edit that out. I'm not going to. I'm no. Not, not staying. Because oh, we, we give it to him raw, raw, <laughs> raw, rugged, and uncut. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, movie came out. The critics loved it. Audiences seemed to love it. Made a lot of money. But the real question is, did two jabronis in San Antonio like it? <laughs> That's what really matters. <laughs> what do we think? <laughs> Finally, The Rock has come back to the Comic Book Characters Podcast. So that's what we're going to start off with here at the beginning of this podcast. It's the Guardians review. By the way, right up front, spoilers. Okay, there was a reason why we waited to talk about this. We gave it. We gave it some time. Everyone got a chance. All the super fans got a chance to go see it. If you haven't seen Guardians yet, you may want to skip. Uh, maybe 30, 40 minutes ahead into the podcast, uh, or just just come back to it after you've seen the movie because we're we're not going to do a non-spoilers thing. It's all spoilers here. Uh, Chris, Shoot, let, me, quite, let me quite frankly, if you haven't seen it twice already, then <laughs> are you are you even a fan? <laughs> do you even movie? Oh no. <laughs> um. All right, Movies Chris. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. Let's uh, before we before we get into this. How about if you don't mind, Chris, take us down plot lane, if you will. Ooh. What exactly happens? Very in a very brief synopsis. What happens in Guardians of the Galaxy? Guardians? I can't say that. Man, it's I'm struggling. I'm riding the struggle bus right now. You know what? Third time's a charm. You're gonna get it at the very end of this podcast. At the very end. At the very very end. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, storyline, the plot, the narrative. What do, what do we have here? What happens? Sure thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we start off on Earth. We start from Missouri, 1980. Uh, quick flashback to Peter's origins, kind of, uh, where Kurt Russell and his mom are jamming out to some tunes in a car. Um, after that, we skip to present day, where uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy are kind of taking on this interdimensional being, kind of like a like a writhing tentacle. I think it's called dragon. an abelisk. An abelisk. All right. I could be wrong. Over that? Just, that, just, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> it's a great scene because it's centered. There's a huge battle going on, but it's all centered on Baby Groot dancing to uh, Mr. Sunshine. 
or Mr. Blue Sunshine, something Mr. like Blue's this. Mr. Blue Sky. Mr. Blue Sky. There you go. Uh, it's great. It's shot. It's beautiful. Uh, after they stop uh, the, the dragon thing, um, it's revealed that they're doing this job on behalf of the Sovereign. A bunch of gold people who kind of don't want to do the lower people's work. Um, they're very, they are very high and mighty, and uh, they kind of think highly of themselves. They're all genetically engineered to be perfect. Uh, Rocket kind of gives them what for, steals some batteries, and <laughs> we have a MacGuffin. So <laughs> the <Yeah>. Guardians <laughs> start uh, going on to just, they're just leaving. They're bouncing. And then uh, they, got, get, they get attacked by the Sovereign Fleet uh, because they've insulted them and they've stolen the thing that they were there hired to protect. Um, afterwards, they kind of bounce around. They have to find uh, a habitable, habitable, habitable planet. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Wait, <laughs> we could talk. This is fuck? a real thing. It's real. It's real life, guys. <laughs> they find a habitable planet, and uh, they kind of, you know, they have to fix their ship and all that. The person who saved them, though, from the entire fleet, turns out to be this one dude who's kind of surfboarding on his on his spaceship. He lands right next to him, and introduces himself as Ego, Peter's father. Um, after a bunch of "Huh? What? No!" They kind of uh, jump over to his planet real quick. They kind of split the party. Rocket stays behind with Nebula. Oh, Nebula was a prize. That they were trying to get for helping the sovereign. Um, they jump over to Ego. They kind of check out the planet. It's Star Lord, Gamora, Drax, uh, Mantis. This new character that's with them, and Ego. They're checking it out. It's nice. It looks all seventies trippy. It looks like a side of a van. Um, it reminded me of um, like uh, Charlie, Tra- uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Man, my my brain today. <laughs> Willy Wonka, you know, like the one with uh, Gene Wilder, like that that whole thing. Nice. Sir. It, it is a world of pure imagination. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's slowly revealed throughout the course of the second act that Hugo not only lives on the planet, but he is the planet. He created this entire thing, and Peter has this power too because he is his son. Uh, they kind of play around with that power a little bit. Um, Peter at first is app- apprehension. Uh, <laughs> is apprehensive. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> is this a drinking game? What are we doing right now? <laughs> Peter's very apprehensive at first, but as soon as he kind of starts to relax and starts to, again in touch with this newfound power that he has, being half celestial, um, he starts to warm up to the idea of this actually being his dad. Uh, meanwhile, the Ravagers are upset uh, with Peter. Um, they come track him down. Uh, track down a ship, the Milano, on that one planet, they bear heart, I think, that they crash landed onto. Uh, Rocket kind of takes takes care of them for a little bit until he until he can't until he's overwhelmed. Uh, Nebula comes and um, kind of chops off the thing that controls the arrow on Yandu's head. Um, Yandu, by the way, has gotten into trouble a little bit because he saw his old friends, the the original Ravagers, I guess is okay to call them. Yeah. Um, Stallone included. And they had some falling out. There's, things are still not good. Bunch of high school drama bullshit. And then the Sovereign showed up and uh, hired them to track down Peter Quill. So that's why Yandu's involved in the first place. They kind of figure out that, well, after a mutiny, after a brief mutiny, <laughs> which a lot of the good Ravagers die, uh, Taserface takes over. And um, Yandu has to get help from Baby Groot to get his uh, prototype Finn to control the arrow back and get out of his brig. Um, back at the ranch on Ego, uh, we're starting to see a little bit darker tinges of, of Kurt Russell's character. Um, 
he kind of lives up to his name. He's all about himself. He doesn't really want anybody to exist in the universe but him. I mean, it's not worthy. I mean, the life he's found on these other planets has been kind of underwhelming. So he wants to replace it all with himself. It's fitting. Uh, he needs Peter to do this. He's tried all of his other children, but the DNA didn't graft to the celestial gene as well as it did with Peter. So the big plan is to use the guy who stole the batteries as a battery himself. Um, everybody kind of figures this out at once. Yondu comes with, along with Rocket through a series of space jumps, which is really kind of cool to see. Then uh, we get a big fight on Ego, trying to figure out uh, exactly how we can get out of this planet while fighting the planet at the same time. The Sovereigns show up just because we need, another, we need some other third party fighting along with them. And uh, actually, those are the major plot points. I don't think I missed anything, have I? No, you've been doing a fantastic job. <laughs> I don't mean to stroke your ego or anything, but... No, no, yeah, please. <laughs> At the end, um, we do kind of come to the resolution that Peter might be better off without Dad. Actually, no, that's not true. Yondu was kind of his father the entire time. Uh, Yondu and Peter come to, kind of come to this realization, fight alongside each other one last time. Um... They're, as they're leaving the planet, as they've defeated Ego, there's not enough life support stuff to save everybody. Rocket can only offer Yondu one spacesuit and one rocket pack to get off the, off the planet. So while everybody's off except Peter and Yondu, Yondu makes a sacrifice play, puts the rocket pack on, saves Peter in the spacesuit, and kind of, uh, kind of sadly gives him a last moment of uh, recognition. Um, as he kind of dies right in there in Peter's arms. Oh. Afterwards, <laughs> afterwards, uh, they get, they do give him a send off uh, right there. The, the Guardians themselves, but happy happily, the other Ravagers have heard about Yandu's true motives and not delivering Peter Quill to his father all along. Yandu figured out what uh, Ego was doing with all the children that he was delivering. He was using them as batteries and drying them up, killing them, killing them effectively. So he didn't want to do that to Peter, and the Ravagers. Though this elaborate, beautiful Ravager funeral, which consists of a bunch of space fireworks going off from all their ships, is really beautiful to see. And we do get a teaser at the end. Um, the group is kind of reformed. Everybody's kind of uh, happy to be together again. And the teaser that we get at the end, the most prevalent one to the arc of Guardians of the Galaxy, is for Adam. Right, as in Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. Warlock, right. Um, who I, I'm going to go on a limb here is probably going to be the main protagonist for the, for volume three. One thing I think you, you, uh, that was fantastic, by the way, you had a, a billion times better of a job than I could have done. <laughs> I think the one small thing yeah, yeah. Uh, we need to add is that, uh, there is some stuff between Nebula and Gamora where oh, right. it's revealed, uh, why they're kind of at odds and why Nebula is so kind of effed up. And so hell bent on getting Gamora and and effectively killing her again because she kind of killed her in the first one, um, but Peter was able to save Gamora, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but the, so there's that. But they also come to a kind of an understanding and a resolution, and their relationship and dynamic changes as well. But we'll we'll touch on all of that stuff and kind of yeah. how the character arcs work in just a moment. Uh, fantastic uh, synopsis there, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> okay. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, we also have some trivia trivia points we'll be bringing up in just a moment. Um, hmm. Okay. 
What was the most surprising thing for you in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? What was the, the number one thing for you you were not expecting or huh. was done in a way that you did not anticipate? Hmm. Well, I got two things, kind of. Uh, okay. I'll start I'll start big. Uh, the scope of it. Um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie is pretty much perfect. It's, it's a great movie. Um, <laughs> I've seen it a couple times this past couple of weeks, and it, it's it's great. Uh, it's really tight. It flows really well. The scope of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we, we see like at least four different planets. Um, they all feel big. We get these huge establishing shots. And that's, I, you know, you know me, I'm a sucker for world building. So I love all that stuff. I eat it up. And this one, we get the same sort of thing. Um, but the actual plot, the actual character development stuff is actually more of the focus of this movie. So they took all that kind of uh, narrative capital, if you will, from the first movie. And they kind of decided to tell a really personal story on this one. And that kind of surprised me. I thought, you know, they weren't going to mess too much with the formula and kind of keep it on the same swashbuckling style as the first one. Uh, but no, they, they, they wanted to go kind of deep. They wanted to develop these characters a little bit, round each character out. Not that they weren't, you know, one-dimensional completely in the first one. Each one had the time to shine. But in this one, that was the real focus of it, I felt. I, I completely agree. I, it's funny. I, I like that you said it was swashbuckling because the ver- the first movie is very Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, this one, for for those that have seen this kind of indie drama, this is like Squid and the Whale. Like, this is <laughs> – it just <laughs> – it gets – like you said, it gets real personal and it really becomes about, like, who these characters are. Not even so much what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. It's who are they – and why do they make the choices they make? Not even, you know, what the choices are. It's right. real interesting. It's real interesting that, that yeah. James Gunn decided to go in that direction. It's a kind of a huge gamble in a way, but like, I mean, I don't know. I think it, I think it played it played out pretty well. What was yeah. the second thing? The second thing was just Drax, how he uh, how he was able to interact with Mantis so well. Uh, each there's a lot of pairings that happen. You know, the characters kind of get paired off with their kind of the counterparts, their foils. Mm-hmm. They kind of better develop them a little bit. Have you know, it's easier to play off somebody else to tell you who you are. Um, so when Manus and Dra- Manus, the new one, the the new alien that lives on ego, the with empath, the ego. right? Yeah, the empath. Uh, he, when she's paired off with Drax, all those scenes are great. The scene that really stuck out to me the most was when he was like remembering his daughter, and he kind of like just looks out into that little pond they have there, and she's just wondering what he feels because she can't really read his face too well. She touches him and Im- almost immediately starts crying. And uh, it's just all that kind of that uh, that fatherly, I guess, um, those fatherly emotions that he has still for his family. That was great to see. That was a really touching moment. So actually, I'll throw in a little bit of trivia here on off of that point. Uh, so Chris Pratt actually has said uh, after the fact that this movie actually in a large part, he said, helped him cope with the death death of his father. Uh, so obviously there's all the ego stuff, uh, father and son relationship, but yeah, I'm really glad you touched on that Drax point as well, because it's a little, it's a little part and you, and if you're not really paying attention, you might miss it, but that also kind of speaks to that, that, that dynamic, right? That parental love, yeah. uh, that can, that can be so powerful. Um, okay. So for me, I. And this, I, here you go. Here you go. We're always accused of being like super huge Marvel fanboys, and don't don't get it twisted. I <laughs> like this movie a lot. I have only seen it once, but I am going to see it again next week. Um, but I was surprised 
a little bit at just how jokey this movie is. Mm. There's a lot of jokes in this film. And while most of them are really great and flow pretty well, uh, the Nebula one with the fruit, I would say, is not one of those. Um, <laughs> there are a few others that are just not quite groan worthy, but just I was like, oh, yeah, I think it's just there were so many, you know. Uh, right. This movie tried really hard to be really funny, and I don't know if that's to try to balance out all of the heavy emotional weight of, of like, the Yondu Star-Lord stuff, the Star-Lord Ego stuff, the Rocket Yondu stuff, like, the hmm. Gamora Nebula stuff, the Drax Mantis stuff. Like, all of that has a lot of um, heavy kind of seriousness uh, to it. And so I guess all these jokes are supposed to help it along. It just it just felt like it almost in some ways felt like an American pie kind of movie to me in, in the terms <laughs> of like where they're just like going for joke after joke after joke. I now, guys, like, we got to have a joke on each page of this screenplay. Yeah. I mean, it felt like that was the mandate. The first movie to me had a much better balance for that mm. uh, in terms of balancing the drama, the action and the comedy. Yeah. Um, not to say that this movie's like not fun or not worth watching. Just maybe a little too jokey for me at times. Yeah, no, on actually on um, second viewing, because um, on the first viewing I was still on like uh, the you know the afterglow. It was I saw it at the the draft house, which is an amazing venue, and proud sponsor. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I should work on that. I should I, I need to contact them. <laughs> and uh, so whenever you see a movie there, it just kind of ups your enjoyment factor. Uh, but second viewing, I saw it at you know another chain, and um, it, I kind of saw it more critically. A lot of the jokes kind of undercut. What was kind of building up before, like um, I'll give you an example. Um, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, when Rocket comes back down to nowhere after Gamora and Star Lord have been captured, uh, he's he's telling Groot, "We got to get out of here." And Drax, you know, says that uh, I was just angry because I lost my family. And then Rocket goes, "Boo hoo! We all got dead people." And then you get that gasp from Groot. Yeah, that's the kind of comedy that you kind of needed for that moment. It just uh, it's a little bit a little bit of levity for the for seriousness that they're going for, but it doesn't undercut it at all. Um, the jokes in volume two kind of feel like we had the plot already, and then we just kind of inserted jokes where we need where we think we needed them. They're not exactly woven in as well as the first. They're not one. as organic, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I completely agree with that with that take. Um, I'm right there with you. I think Drax. Uh, Dave Bautista did a fantastic job as Drax. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, uh, you know, he hasn't been in a lot of movies. He's, of course, coming from a professional wrestler background, much like The Rock um, uh, and Hulk Hogan before him, I guess. Uh, but I, it's that, really... That's why that... Yeah, yeah. Don't, sorry, sorry to cut in, but that's why that moment was so impressive to me because he knows how to do big. All wrestlers know how to act big, but when you act reserved... That's kind of really impressive. Yeah, he he's really taken to this character, and I don't know how much of it is good writing or his acting ability. It's a merger of the two, mm. or a merger of the two. Um, but it's it's just worked out really well, and I can't think of anybody else that I would rather play Drax. You know, like I was trying to think about that, like who else? Because there's so many other actors <laughs> that are actual yeah. actors; they're not wrestlers. You know. Uh, but he just, he really just, he just kills it. Here's another little trivia fact. Yeah. So um, his makeup, they they greatly reduced the amount of time it took to apply his makeup. 
which hmm. is crazy because he's got a lot of a lot of shit going on there. Yeah, it's full torso. I'll give you this: it was near five hours in the first film to Good get God. to get that all applied. Okay, in this film, they cut it down to what time? Take a guess at that. Um, I guess thirty-five minutes. Ooh, that would be amazing. <laughs> From five hours to thirty-five minutes, <laughs> they, they they just dipped him in some paint and <laughs> him run out. They're we'll like, fix it. We'll fix it in post. Fuck it. Close your eyes. Close your mouth. Don't <laughs> breathe. We're just gonna dip you. Uh, like a like a like a like a dipped ice cream cone. Um, yeah. No, they got they got the... it they got it down from five hours to ninety minutes. Oh shit, that's but so that's, impressive. But that's pretty impressive. Like that's yeah. it's like a two year difference or whatever, and, and they that's that's awesome. I mean, good for him because that's gotta suck. You can't like yeah. move for five hours or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, I if anything, the other character that I and I you know I just love this character anyway. But Rocket is so great. I love everything that they do with Rocket. I just want more Rocket. You know. Hmm. Um, obviously they had to give service to all of the characters in the film. And, um, I mean, this is very much a star Lord story. It's, it's very much Peter's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so they, they do a great job of, of giving everybody arcs and everybody their moment, uh, action beats and, and everything drama beats, um, comedy beats. But I just want more rocket. I think I just, it's just a personal selfish thing for me. Yeah, uh, I just it, love that character so much. I really would like to see more of him. Um, no, it's kind of crazy. Marvel got us to care about a completely CGI character uh, from the you know from from the jump in Guardians. It's yeah. it's kind of ridiculous to see, but it, he's one of the best characters in this movie. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm gonna. I don't think this is going on a huge limb, but I would argue that Rocket is one of the best, if not the best. Or most most interesting characters in all of the MCU. Hmm. I think he's definitely up there. That's fair um, enough. They do some really great stuff. He's very, you know, tormented. But but you know, it's funny. Like I think you know, we we're talking about the jokes earlier and how you felt like they undercut a lot of times. One time where I felt it really didn't and it worked out really well mm-hmm. is uh, uh, a couple of times actually. When when at the very beginning, Peter calls him a trash panda. Yeah. And he's like, is that it's is way that, worse? Is it better? Is that? And he's like, no, it's worse. It's way worse. And then uh, I, I can't wait. I can't even. I, I'm sorry. I can't remember who says this, but somebody mentions his triangle face. Oh yeah. Like, um. Oh man, who was that? And he, and he gets he he doesn't even say anything. He just he's just kind of in the background, and he makes this face like, wait, wait, what's wrong with my face? Like he, he feels a snout. Like he kind of like stiffens up for a second. That's really <laughs> funny, but it's like that's more organic to me. Like yeah, the way yeah, the yeah. way that works. I wish I could remember who says that. Was that it, ego? Yeah, I think it was ego. Yeah. I think it was ego. Um, but um, so yeah, that that's great. Um, anything that that was disappointing to you, or something that you, that you thought you were going to see in this film that ultimately you did not see. Uh, I know huh. a lot. Of, I mean, just. Before before you answer, I know a lot of people were kind of hoping that Adam Warlock was going to be in this movie. Oh man! Uh, especially when in the trailer you saw the you know the the sovereign, the golden people. Yeah. People were like, oh man, you know Adam Warlock's you know he's going to be in there somewhere. Turns out he's kind of just named that you don't really see him. Right. Uh, but for you and anything else uh, that um, not necessarily was disappointed, but just uh, you know that didn't. Oh, didn't they could have used this. Through. Yeah. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, there was a song, that, uh, another Bowie song that was used in the trailers. There was um, uh, Suffragette City, Suffragette City that was yeah. used. Mm-hmm. It didn't play a part in the movie. It's not on the soundtrack. They have the rights to it. They still cut promos um, making, you know, for Guardians like being the number one movie in the theaters right now. They still cut promos using it, but it didn't appear in the movie. And it could have could have worked in so well when the sovereigns just kind of reappear in the scene instead of playing um, that that wham bam shang and lang song for the second time. Mm-hmm. It could have been Suffragette City when they're in, actually inside Ego. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 they should have used that. And then I guess another audio one, <laughs> an audio pet peeve of mine. They, they played uh, the chain again by Fiva Mac mm-hmm. uh, when Peter kind of figures out how to use his power. Um, to fight against ego, not just be drained by ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they should have started with the baseline, like the the end riff. Yeah, like, that's. I noticed that too, actually. And yeah. they only they only played the first part of that song. Yeah, not the second part, which, like you said, would I with would the think, drums right? Would would really would really hit hard. I yeah, it's so funny you said that because I thought the same thing. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, why not the why not the part with the drums? Like that's. It's actually what it. Uh, all what the I all the Europeans it. know it from F one. It's like the intro song to like some F one show that that you know is big in Europe. So it would have played wow. internationally. Yeah, maybe maybe a missed opportunity there. Going back to the trivia, since you brought it up, with David Bowie, uh, David Bowie, they actually James Gunn wanted and got approval to put David Bowie in as in a cameo role. Oh. Unfortunately, he passed away before they could get to it. And Gunn uh, is quoted as saying that he was devastated uh, that, that he wasn't able to f- fulfill that uh, mm-hmm. because he, he notes Bowie as being a huge influence on him, clearly, um, as an artist, as a director. Uh, so that's unfortunate for all of us, though, because I think, mm-hmm. I mean, if you could name any one person that fits in this universe, right? it's, it's David yeah. Bowie. I mean, I'm, this is this should have been Bowie's legacy, not Zoolander. Right. Um, one thing. One thing that I was uh, disappointed in, uh, or not necessarily disappointed, but just was, uh, you know, surprised at at uh, what didn't end up happening was. I thought. I thought we would see more of the relationship between Gamora and and Star Lord. Hmm. Um. I feel like they touch on it in in certain moments within the film, yeah. but it really, it's like they're walking in place. It felt like exactly like it did in the first film. Um, yeah, no, there was they, really they were, no they, progression of that relationship. Right, right. They were delivering dialogue, kind of, um, and it came down to it. Uh, they were talking about the un untalked about situation between them, the Jack and Diane of it. No, Jack and Diane, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, or was that a song? I think I think that was a little ditty about Jack and Diane. Okay. The, the Cheers, the the Cheers unresolved. Oh, it's a, it's a, uh, Sam and Diane. Sam and, Sam and Diane. Diane. Yeah. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> yeah, when they start talking about that uh, unspoken thing between them, it's like yeah, this is kind of it's spinning your wheels a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, again, it wasn't like a huge thing. I just. Because from the trailers, you know, a lot of the stuff in the trailers was kind of about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And and not that that's what people are coming to see. I just felt like they didn't do very much to move that forward. Right. We're, we're kind of basically in the same spot we were in before. 
Yeah, well, <coughs> at the end of at the end of the first one, we get this group of uh, this this motley crew coming together, and they're forming a really tight bond now, and they're all and they're all smiling as the movie's ending, as they're about to take off in the Milano, about to do a bit of both. Um, so we shouldn't kind of have to redo that again in the first uh, first and second act of this movie. They, you know, they're there. They they kind of they know each other. We don't have to. We shouldn't have had to rehash some of that stuff. So, uh, to me, and another little disappointing thing, I guess, was um, in the second viewing, the interaction between Rocket and Star Lord felt a little petulant on both of their parts. Like they were they were arguing about stuff. Is like, hey, we're, you know, weren't we supposed to do a little bit of bad and a little bit of good? Star Lord is playing his rogue kind of like a paladin. If you're in our play RPG <laughs> nice. terms, so yeah, it felt a little off. It felt. Like, why are we doing this again? Yeah, and, and they do have that little bit of tussle. And I don't know if that's meant to show that they're kind of vying for the leadership of the group or... Yeah, you know, I don't really know. But speaking of, uh, like, pairings or, or, like, conflict of pairings, yeah. uh, this is really, really minor. But I got to say, and I know Ig, Ignacio would feel the exact same way here. Big homie. How can you have a movie... In which you have Kurt Russell, and we'll talk about Kurt Russell in just a moment. Oh, no, yeah. And Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone, Tango and Cash, Tango and Cash. in the flesh, in the same <laughs> film, and you never have them together in a scene? Are you kidding me? That's probably the biggest disappointment in this film for me. Right. Uh, I. <laughs> you didn't get that De Niro Pacino moment in Heat? Yeah, I just like that's what I came for, man. I mean, I, I came for the movie, but that's what I wanted uh, to see. Ego, yeah, I don't like him. He's kind of a kind of a jerk. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I was, and, and and I mean, you know, Kurt Russell's character is dead now, so th that can't yeah. happen. Um, <clears throat> okay, uh, before we before we jump into, because I want to talk about Kurt Russell here. Um, yeah. One one thing I did like, I'll talk about one more thing I liked real quick, and I know I, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. The opening sequence with Baby Groot, oh yeah, fantastic! I really love the way they uh, James Gunn did that scene. You see this giant fight, this crazy fight, this hundred million dollar fight going on <laughs> in the background, but the focus is on Baby Groot, kind of dancing, uh, jumping, punching, and kicking his way along um, while he's listening to music. And and you see these little moments where like he stops and waves at Gamora. And Gamora's like, "Oh hi, Groot. Yeah, go, get out of there!" Like you're, you know, they're all like they all care about him. He he has all these little moments with each character, and they're a family in a sense. And uh, I loved that. I loved it. Yeah. I liked Baby Groot a lot. There is someone, however, who has a different opinion on the matter. Oh no! And that is none other than Ignacio. Other. What? And I guess former co-host of this show, the big he, homie, the big homie himself, the big IG, the big IG, not the big EGO, <laughs> the big Ignacio, and he actually sent a very succinct message on his okay. thoughts and feelings on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, yeah. but more specifically in regards to Baby Groot. I mean, I'm going to play that for us now. Baby Groot. <laughs> so I don't know how clear that came through. But what he said is, man, 
fuck Baby Groot. He is not a fan of Baby Groot. In fact, and I recall from the first movie when we saw it, he loved the first movie. Uh I think it's his favorite MCU film. He hated Baby Groot at the end. He thought that was the worst part of the movie. Oh, word? He did not <laughs> like it. He he was not a fan. And I remember he told me. I remember after we saw the film, he told me, "I am so worried that the next movie is going to be all Baby Groot, and I'm going to hate it." <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. I mean, I feel like there is a uh, lot of Baby Groot. There's, but they give a lot of moments to every, all the characters. What a specific. Uh, what a specific specific version of hate oh my god the funny thing is he just had kids he has he just had twins i think maybe he's just like babied out right now like I, uh, you know what i mean like it's it's too close to home right he's now. imagining all the all the times you have to change baby groot all the times you have to water and fertilize him yeah gotta gotta make sure his soil's nice and <laughs> compact packed in <laughs> You know, like he's he's just too close to home for Egg right now. Uh, that makes some sense. Yeah, then we see adolescent group. One of the stingers is adolescent group. <laughs> right. So Star Lord tripping over the vines. Tripping over the vines, all the leaves everywhere. Oh, that's we'll, we'll touch on the on the stingers as well. Let's real quick. Let's talk about let's talk about Kurt Russell's ego. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so on the, on the one hand, you have Kurt Russell in fantastic. Holy hell! Does this man know how to choose some scenery? Um. <laughs> Like so, a Langolier. <laughs> I, you know, one complaint that I've that I've read and seen over the last few weeks is that people feel like, not necessarily that Chris Pratt phoned it in, uh, with his performance here, but that he seems less charismatic and less dynamic uh, than he did in the first film. Hmm. But I'm gonna I'm gonna propose this. I don't think it's so much that Chris Pat- Pratt isn't killing it in his role here. I just think it's that Kurt Russell is so damn good. Yeah. And so damn charismatic that <laughs> if you're in a scene with him, you're effed, man. Like, it's Kurt Russell's scene. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> that I mean, that's just how it breaks. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's totally fine. Kurt Russell's crushing it. Um... How, how did you feel about? I mean, obviously, this is my, these are my feelings about Kurt Russell. How did you feel about Kurt Russell's ego? No, yeah, I think um, he, he felt some sort of way after Hateful Eight came, came out. He's like, nobody saw that movie. I'm gonna fucking kill whatever movie we have next. It's Guardians of the Galaxy two. Fuck everybody in it. <laughs> I'll act the shit out of them. I'm gonna steal every scene. I blame Quentin. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it uh. He, he did a really good job. Yeah, you can't deny it. I, I do think that your take on that is kind of um, the right one. Like, it, Chris Pratt is just, you know, he knows how to play this character. It's just that this person to work off of, you really can't because he, he does take all the focus away from him. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like it's like being on the team with Michael Jordan. You know, like, what do you, <laughs> you just, like, get, try to stay out of his way. Like, if you get the ball, great. Just you know, be happy, Sean Bradley. Don't make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Sean Bradley. Um, okay, I'm going to throw some names at you real quick. A little more uh, Guardians trivia. Mm-hmm. Here are the following actors that were considered for the role of Ego that ultimately went to Kurt Russell. Ooh. Some pretty sweet names on here. Not going to lie. Gary Oldman. Huh. Vigo Mortensen. Christoph Waltz. The Jew Hunter. <laughs> Christopher, damn it, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> no, a, a plumber. 
I forget what he's done. Uh, Max von Sydow. I'm not sure who that is. That name does ring a bell, but I don't yeah, know. no, uh, Laura Santeca um, okay. from Force Awakens. Right, right. That would have been a weird choice. <laughs> Matthew like Ma- a wizard. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> wow. And Liam Neeson. I've been playing Ego the Planet way before anybody ever paid me to play Ego the Planet. It's pretty good. Out of those names, Chris. Now, obviously, <laughs> Kurt Russell was the right way to go. Yeah. yeah. Liam mean, Neeson could have pulled it off, I think. <laughs> but, uh, no, Kurt Russell, you can't really. No, 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 no. Even with some of those names, Kurt Russell definitely embodies that character. <sighs> okay. Um,. What else? What else? Okay, let's talk about the stingers. Um, so we get we get. Oh man, I don't even remember what order they they go in. Uh, let's see, it's first first ones with the uh, the Sean Gun. I forget his character's name. Oh, with the with the yeah, uh, mm, yeah. I can't think of his name either. But he, it's not it's not Kasabian. I know that's a band. It's not that. It's something like that. Oh, it's Cra- Kragen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kragen, Kragen, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trying to control the arrow, and he and he accidentally uh, shoots the arrow <laughs> into Drax. Drax is just, you know, they know that he's the gold. He's the gold standard for your your stingers now. You know, like he had his moment with Baby Groot, or with uh, like real Baby Groot, like yeah. little tiny Groot. Yeah, yeah. In the pot, in the pot, in the dancing. Uh, then we get, is it adolescent Groot? Is the next one, or is it uh, the uh, Stanley? I think it's no Stanley's like the last one. Okay. Um, I think after that, is it Adam? No, I thought Adam was the last one. Okay, no? it might be. Ah, it might be. A, doesn't doesn't matter. Let, let's just go through them. It again. doesn't really yeah. matter what order they're in. Um, <clears throat> we get uh, we get the Sovereign again. Yeah. Um, oh shit! No, I know what it was. It okay. was the Ravagers. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Good. 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 So so Stallone, uh, as a character by the name of Starhawk. Uh, talks about, uh, you know, getting the band back together. You know, it was a shame it took the sacrifice, the tragedy of losing Yandu to bring us back together. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. The thing is, you're almost drifting into a walk, and it's just, it makes it so much better. Okay, here's a little trivia fact for that. At Yandu's funeral, and that whole group of, of the Ravagers, the, especially in that stinger, they're actually the original members of Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic book. So we have Charlie 27, that's Ving Rhames, Starhawk, Stallone, uh, Martenix, and Alita uh, were the other two. Like one is like a like a shiny diamond looking dude, and the other one is like a red alien looking creature. That's the girl. Um, they're they're actually them along with Yondu are the original Guardians in the comic. So that's really cool. Uh, that they were able to do that. Nice shout out. Um, okay, so we we've, we got two down. We got adolescent Groot. Adolescent Groot. I am Groot. Yeah, I am Groot. Um, <clears throat> playing his tablet, video game tablet thing. <laughs> Not paying attention to Star Lord. Vines are everywhere. Leaves all over the place. Messy ass cabin. Real funny little bit. Um, uh, so the word on the street is that we're gonna get full adult Groot. In the uh, uh, Infinity War, ooh, um, so that's all we're gonna see of adolescent Groot, I think, and then all Baby Groot is done as well. Um, 
mercifully enough for Ig. Um, we see, yeah, Ig's gonna be real happy about that. Uh, we get, we get, we get Stan Lee as a watcher informant, and so it's this popular fan theory that's been going around for quite a while now that Stan Lee has actually been playing the same character in all of these movies, all of these right. comic movies that he's in. And he's not necessarily a watcher. He's a watcher informant, but he's able to go through dimensions and so on. That's how he's in Deadpool and, you know, um, the, the, the Marvel Studios films, the Fox Studio films, uh, the Universal films, uh, which is really cool. It's really cool that they actually were like, yeah, that's that's the thing. I don't know if that's how they ever intended it or if it was just the fan theory kind of went crazy and then they all just bought in. But whatever, that that's awesome. Uh, and then we get, so was that four? We're at four, right? Yeah, four. Fifth one is Sovereign, um, the the main Sovereign chick woman. Uh, what's her name? Aisha. Ooh, ooh, that gold girl named Aisha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aisha uh, talks about making the perfect being the next evolution of the sovereign and she shall call him Adam, which again, we talked about earlier is a, is a reference to Adam Warlock from the comic books. Very prominent character, especially in the cosmic Marvel universe. Uh, I again think he's going to end up being the protagonist in volume three. Uh, he's not going to be in infinity war. Um, of the five stingers, Chris, which one did you enjoy the most either from like a geek out standpoint or a comedy standpoint or whatever? Uh, yeah, I think the direct one that's, that followed directly after the one where uh, Drax kind of gets the arrow stuck in him by uh, by Sean Gunn's character. <laughs> yeah, I just laughed for about a minute straight. Was, as long as Drax was yelling "Ah," I kind of laughed. So it was. Yeah, I love. I like that one a lot. It was a good one. Uh, real quick, the fin that that he wears that Sean Gunn is wearing at the end is uh-huh. also the one that that uh, Yondu ends up getting in the movie. Uh. That's from the original comic, too. In the comic, he has that big fin uh, as part of his character design. So that was a call call back to that. Really cool little touches. Um, Loved the Michael Rooker stuff as Yondu in this movie. I thought, as much as I love Drax, and I love Rocket. Like, I will see a Rocket movie. I will see a whole trilogy of Rocket movies. Rocket and Groot. (laughs) Rocket on his own. I don't care. I will see he's all ba- the Rocket movies. He ba- he's about to go steal a raccoon. Yeah. Um, oh, other little trivia fact. In original character design, uh, uh-huh. they were going to have Baby Groot carry around a stuffed raccoon. Aww. As like a little toy. Uh, they ultimately went against that, but that's one thing that they were considering. <laughs> um, but just big shout out to Michael Rooker. Yeah, holy hell. his performance as Yondu. I he really, really, to me, stole this movie. As much as Kurt Russell kills every scene he's in, and you have no chance if you're an actor acting in the same space as him, uh, Michael Rooker really showed me some stuff here in this film. Um, I just it just left me walking away from this movie just with 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 my head shaking, just in almost in disbelief, just how good. Uh, the character arc, when you combine it with his performance in the first film, yeah. and how all of it ties together, so, so well done. Um, any any final thoughts on, on Rooker and as Yondu? I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That's the thing. I mean, it's like you have all these serious moments, you have all these comedic moments, and, and 
especially for that character, maybe above all of the other ones, they just hit it on the head every time. Yep. Third act, the third act of this movie really definitely felt a lot more like the first movie. So uh, the writing kind of came together. That is more the style, like the organic comedy we were talking about. Uh, That one line from him, uh, that's what that that moment needed. Definitely. Um, Okay. Uh, Any any final thoughts on Guardians before we move on? Enjoyable movie. Very enjoyable. I liked it a lot. Could have been better. It could have been just a little bit more tighter, like, uh, like the first one. Yeah. But it's hard to live up to the standard of the first one. Yeah, it's almost like The Matrix, right? Like where yeah. the first movie presents so many awesome concepts and does it in such a really unique, tight way. Uh-huh. It's just really hard to... The, yeah, it's a, it's a magic trick that you don't mind seeing over and over again. Uh, that being said, I'm happy and excited to see the third one. I'm really glad mm-hmm. that James Gunn has decided to be fully um, immersed into it as a writer-director for the third one. I think he still has a lot of story to tell. Yeah, yeah. He's the first director that's going to get the trilogy from yeah, Marvel? I think so. Wow. I really feel like in a lot of ways that Gunn, even beyond, and I think he's even said this, beyond Volume 3, he's going to stay on as a consultant for Marvel Studios, and he's going to help shape a lot of what comes after Infinity. Hell yeah. Uh, even if it's just like punching up scripts or something, that'd be great. Yeah, I think. Yeah, or even like helping with like music cues, just like all of that. Oh shit! Yeah, he's he's great at it. Um, well, yeah. So I think everyone out there, obviously, y'all have probably already seen the movie, uh, but it's probably worth a second viewing if you can. I'm going to try to go see it in IMAX. I really think is that where you saw it? Did you end up seeing one of them in IMAX or no? The first time I saw it in 3D, second was just 2D. Okay, I really want to see the IMAX. I'll come back on the pod and let y'all know if that makes a big difference or not. But I, I suspect that it's pretty great. Yeah, if it makes a big difference. <laughs> uh, all right, man, let's, let's move on. We have a lot yeah, of yeah. stuff to cover. Uh, obviously we spent a lot of time with guardians, but that's one of the biggest movies of the year. Comic book wise. So we want to give it its full breadth. Um, okay. Jumping into DC. Now we were given the last wonder woman trailer, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to kind of speed through all of this stuff because there's kind of a lot to cover. But I will say I was really impressed with this. We see uh, little Diana, little kid Diana, um, you know, almost maybe trying to steal some of that baby Groot shine <laughs> for a moment. But then really what this trailer is all about is action, action, action. Yep. Holy hell. I mean, there's just action piece after action piece after action piece after action piece after action piece. <laughs> in this trailer and it really makes me think that sink or swim on this film they are really trying to go big here um because it felt like those were all different separate action pieces within the film right yeah so I mean, there's like five or six <laughs> different sequences there um which is pretty ambitious i mean this mm-hmm. isn't fast and the furious <laughs> it's pretty it's kind of nuts <laughs> Uh, what did what were your thoughts on the trailer? Anything else stand out for you? I mean, that was for me by far the thing that stood out. But anything else right. for you? Um, the inclusion of the villain, I think, uh, is that the first time we've seen the villain? This like a poison doctor lady. I think we get we've gotten small glimpses of her, but okay. not no reference. Like this was yeah. the first time she was referenced by name. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how you know because I don't know I don't think she's super powered in any way. Right. Um. 
how you're going to cre- create a foil for, for Diana, for Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they worked in the name, the Diana Prince name from the comic. <laughs> like, you know, it's, like, it's, it's, I like when they're able to kind of nod to the comic, but right. also be funny or like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I think DC needs to do a lot more of that. And I'm glad to see that yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've, I've noticed just, uh, around town, around, uh, around the world that uh there's been a lot of groundswell for uh, like anticipation for wonder woman a lot, every a lot of women wearing the wonder woman shirt uh so yeah no they, they've got a lot they got an opportunity here i hope it's good i really really hope it's good me too i actually went to toys r us earlier today they have a giant display of wonder nice. woman toy like a whole section so yeah man even from like a marketing and merchandising standpoint they they really are pushing this uh it's good to see good to see like this the display was just as big as the spider-man homecoming display so Hmm. um, that gives you an idea um jumping into some i guess funny or like uh uh-oh dc (laughs) news real quick diane lane who's of the dc um what did we we determined what the e was for right it was extended expanded universe Extreme, extreme, whatever the hell. The DCEU, she's part of it. She's going to be in Justice League. Uh, she was recently on a like a talk show, and they asked her, "Do you think the the Justice League is going to be better than Avengers?" And she said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe I don't know if I'm like uh, uh, Sean Spicer in this for. But uh, <laughs> maybe she heard like the, she was focusing on. Can you tell us any spoilers for Justice League? And is it going to be better than Avengers? So she yeah, said no and no, no and no, no and no. But uh, <laughs> hard no and no. She thought about it for for a beat. So hey, is is she confirmed for MCU fangirl? <laughs> I mean, I guess where your heart is is where your heart is. You know, maybe she's <laughs> trying to she's trying to earn that chicken. You know, like she's <laughs> she's just going after it. <laughs> um, I mean, do you do you, Diane Lane? <laughs> <That's>, check. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny though. Uh, I I heard that she kind of walked back the comment now, but like, whatever. I just think it's funny, man. Like they're in the movie, and even they're like, "Nah, Avengers is awesome." <laughs> All right. Uh, moving into Marvel, uh, Marvel Town now, and I'm man, I am super psyched about this news. So Donald Glover has has gotten the okay, the green light to go ahead and develop a Deadpool adult animated series has been ordered to FXX, the uh, the, the the cable station. So he and his brother uh, are are like a development team, a production team, and they're going to be doing Deadpool. For those that aren't aware, I mean Donald Glover, of course, is. Uh, Arguably very multi-talented. He's he's Childish Gambino as a rapper, as a performer, as an entertainer. He's an actor as Donald Glover. But he also does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And for those that don't know, he also uh, produced and developed Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And that show is amazing. <laughs> so he's already kind of been into the comic world before. Like he's in Spider-Man Homecoming. He voiced Miles Morales in the... Uh, Spider-Man animated show. Um, what else, man? Like he he's been around, you know. Uh, he talked about he can campa- famously campaigned to be Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Right. When uh when they re- re- rebooted it and it was amazing Spider-Man with uh, 
you know Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Uh, but what are your what are your thoughts on that news? No, it's it's uh it's great. <laughs> I think his style of comedy definitely lends itself to uh, any interpretation for Deadpool. <laughs> that that works. Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm I'm super I'm super duper psyched for that. Um, okay, again, staying in the Marvel universe, uh, but this is getting interesting because this is I think the first real collaboration between the two between Marvel Studios and Fox. Hmm. They've come together. Now, we've reported on this before that they were in talks about doing that, um, possibly. Uh, and this might be a little bit. Uh, we talked about this before, but, you know, the Watchers are in Guardians Volume 2. Right. That's a Fantastic Four property. Hmm. Okay. They're in Guardians. I think this is partly what where that, that kind of collaboration comes through, though. And again, I'm saying we're going to see Silver Surfer and or Galactus <laughs> in Infinity War. Oh, man, I just, I, I'm just going to be so disappointed. I'm setting myself up if it doesn't happen, <laughs> but I feel like that's where it's going. But here we go. This is a real collaboration between the two studios to do a show for Fox called The Gifted. Uh, real quick synopsis of the show. It's about a suburban family uh, with two children. It turns out the two children have mutant powers. They have to go underground. They meet up with a kind of resistance group of mutants, and they're on the run. And that's essentially what it is. We saw a real quick sneak peek, and I mean real quick. Man, they were stealing some Cheetos. Like a ten second clip from the show. But what are your what are your initial thoughts on the gifted? Uh vending machines beware. <laughs> they yeah. They shook that potato chip bag loose <laughs> real good. Did a real good job of that. Nah, I'm for it. Any any types of uh, muties coming back. I like it. Yeah, I think the Marvel, both the comic books and the the movie TV universe, they work well when Marvel when the mutants are doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of great stories you can tell in that with those characters. So, cool. We'll keep an eye out for that. Moving over to some, I guess, Dark Horse news. Wow, we don't get a lot of Dark Horse news on the show. Hmm. Here we go. So, unfortunately, and we've reported about this before previously as well, but the uh, Guillermo del Toro. Hellboy 3, which was on, then off, then on, then off, then on, then off again, ultimately is not going to happen. Aww. And that's, that's a huge disappointment. I really liked both of the Hellboy films that he did uh, with um, Ron, Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're moving in a different direction. Not only are we getting an R-rated Hellboy feature, oh. which is, that's going to be interesting. But we are getting former cable in the running actor David Harbour from Stranger Things. Oh, snap. As Hellboy. Yeah. I got to say, I like that casting. He's a I, huge dude. I guess that's it's the sort of a casting corner of Jay's segment here because it's the whole show. It's the whole movie. But mm-hmm. we also did get the casting news of David Harbour. So shout out to Casting Corner, David Harbour. As Hellboy, uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, he was. Uh, it's definitely he definitely deserves a breakout role. I mean, Stranger Things was great. He was great in it. Uh, he definitely deserves any follow up stuff that comes after that. So uh, I like this one. Yeah, let me ask you real quick. Yeah, David Harbor as Cable, David Harbor as Hellboy. Which one would you have rather have seen? Between oh, Hellboy, two? definitely. Okay, well, good. Yeah. It's a good thing things worked out the way they did. So. Um, all right, this one, we don't spend a lot of time on this. This is a more like show me, don't tell me 
kind of thing. And we'll definitely put the <laughs> video clip in the thread on Facebook over at facebook.com forward slash Neil before pod. For those listening that are not fans of the Facebook page, please go like us on Facebook and you'll see all of the, the videos and so on. But Tom Holland came on an a exclusive limited edition of lip sync battle for MTV <laughs> and wow man he comes out doing singing in the rain does a costume change into a Rihanna song oh goodness and uh, I think the song is called uh, this, is how get, uh, this is how uncool I am here we go here we go it's, I think What's it's called? Umbrella there we go we got uh, there <laughs> oh man <laughs> uh, stretch real far for that one <laughs> but holy hell <laughs> it's a pretty cool like beyond the lip syncing itself the choreography the dancing he does the <laughs> the man is agile okay he does a little bit of spidey moves a couple of times yeah it's it's pretty cool uh <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to put this. There's like sort of old fashioned kind of entrenched staunch comic book fans are like, what's what's Spider-Man doing? What's being so gay? You know, like that, <laughs> that whole shit, like that stupid Internet response. But I, I thought it was cool. I mean, it's cool that he's comfortable doing this stuff. He obviously doesn't care. He's just trying to have a good time. Right. Any, anything to promote himself in the film, I guess. But more than that, it looks like he's just having a great time with it. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I think is definitely the kind of attitude you need to play that character. 100%. Yeah. I mean, the like you said, he's flipping around. That's the best part to see uh, when he's in the Rihanna mode. Uh, he's kind of uh, like throwing. He's dancing in water if it's falling down. Yeah. It's like uh, raining. Yeah. It, I think he ends like a like a little flip where he lands on his back. Yeah, he does that, that. I don't even know what that move is called, but it's like a dance move, yeah, where you like flip forward and lay flat. It's real <laughs> cool, real cool. But we'll throw the video on there. Like I said, there's not a lot to say because you got to see it. Um, but, yeah, try to see it with an open mind, I, I would argue. Uh, if you're not into seeing Tom Holland dress like Rihanna, I guess, then <laughs> you might have a you might have a problem with the video. You're going to um, have a bad time. You're going to have a real bad time. All right, I know uh, you're super psyched about this. I am too, but I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you take this one for sure, Ooh. Uh, because I know this is near dear to your heart. But we finally got the first footage and pics. Uh, the pics via Twitter, the footage via a sneak peek handy cam action <laughs> um, at some Hulu party. Some kind of blurred Hulu footage. Uh, but we got the first footage of Runaways for Hulu. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say one thing, but then I, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I was really surprised by how much this show looks like the comic book. But yeah. what are your thoughts? No, it, it, I was. I was. I had no idea who these characters, who these people were, uh, when they were when we did the casting corner, like however many episodes ago. Uh, that speaks to me. Uh, maybe they're in our other properties that are more like teen friendly. But um, no, they definitely look like the parts they need to play. Uh, I thought. I thought it was great casting. Um. We haven't really seen much of anything yet other than the initial plot points of their parents actually being evil. Um, the pride kind of in the comics explain, you know, why there's no crime in L.A. supervillain wise, because the supervillains took over a long time ago. Um, so 
that yeah it was nice to see that it was great to see like uh you couldn't really see too much because like you said it's a you know a bootleg version but um gert is there with her colored hair yeah uh it looks like uh and molly's with that little floppy hat she has on um i think nico is is, is powering up or something she's using the staff of one right right so, yeah there's a lot to see uh, i think james marsters uh, actually plays one of the fa- one of the fathers of the kids here. Oh, cool! So yeah, that's uh, the guy from Buffy, right? Yeah, he's Spike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, any connection to Buffy that they can make <laughs> should serve this uh, property well. So real quick, again, uh, at, throwing this back to Toys R Us, they actually have a Nico figure uh, already that, that came out in the, in the Doctor Strange wave for some reason. Now, now it's the comic book character. It's not a Hulu figure, uh-huh. but it's. And it was on clearance for like uh, eight or nine dollars at Toys R Us. Oh snap! Along with Baron Mordo. Um, here's the thing: that figure is on clearance now, but once this Hulu show comes out, people are going to be looking for that figure. Yeah. And it's going to jump in price. Like I just, I just know people are going to want it. it um, yeah. If you don't get it now, then you might need the help of a long to help you find one. You'd be amazed to go to feet. To even find such an artifact in the wild, you you went there, man. You, you uh, found a Mordo. I did. It's my fault. <laughs> so it was my fault. Uh, but yeah, just a heads up. If you're looking for that figure, check out your WalMarts, check out your Targets, check out your Toys R Us. It's it's on clearance. Now's the time to get it. If that's your if that's your jam, because once the show comes out, people are going to be looking for it all over the place. Um, I think, but yeah, I think Runaways looks cool. I'm super psyched. I'm not happy that Marvel is going onto all these different networks and stuff. It's yeah. hard to follow. Um, but Hulu and Netflix are at least relatively easy to access. So, you know, yeah, I maybe, wish... maybe I won't bootleg it. Maybe I'll actually get a Hulu subscription. I'm not going to, you know, actually if they, if they, if and I, we're probably headed in this direction, but if Marvel or Disney decided to do their own, like, Marvel subscription that like got oh, you. Oh no! Now, hold on. Oh, here we go. Million oh, no. dollar idea. You're, no, you're putting it out in the air. What are you doing? <laughs> oh should, my god! Should give it to myself. Some some executive right now is like, yes. Tell me more. <laughs> Kevin Fags, yeah. man. Kevin Fags is listening. He's like, oh yeah. Wait, don't let's stop talking, let's, Alfred. Yeah, let's hear it. Fuck it. Um. Yeah, man. If they put together a subscription service where you get access to the digital comics, mm-hmm. you get access to the movies. You get access to behind-the-scenes stuff. You get access to all of the, the the television shows, all the Netflix shows, the Hulu, the Freeform oh, channel. You get all of it. Uh, you get you get exclusive interviews with the actors and actresses and the directors and the writers. Ah, man, like if that's five bucks a month. Like, Ooh, that's a, if it's five bucks a month, that's an easy five. But you know they're not going to charge five bucks a month. Even if they charge like eight bucks a month, I mean that's what like Hulu costs, right? Like eight, nine bucks. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, I, especially as they keep going along. Like you also get access to MP3s of all the soundtracks. You get oh, like, just, oh there's just, be a lot of licenses to clear there. Just <laughs> integrate, just integrate all of it. Mm, yeah, just integrate it. I don't know. <laughs> it, at Disney's in charge now. They can if they want to. Okay, so here's here's the counter argument to that. Yeah, our first look at Inhumans, <laughs> because holy shit! Um, again, head over to Facebook. <laughs> dot com. Neil before pod. 
Watch the well run dry with us. <laughs> because we are going to throw a picture up on this thread where this pod is on the Facebook page. So you can get the full immersion, the full feeling of, of what we're talking about right here. And that is this this picture. If you can call it a picture, it's more like <laughs> a window into the dark souls Oh no, Lord Hades himself. It, it stares back at you. It it does. The first look at Inhumans, which is going to be featured, I think, in an Entertainment Weekly upcoming issue. And oh boy, um, okay. So right off the bat, the internet reaction to this has not been kind. Um, the titular character, Black Bolt, or as his government name, as he's known. <laughs> What's his government, though? Blackagar Boltagon. What the fuck? Blackagar Boltagon. That's the dude's name. <laughs> Let's just stop there for a second. Blackagar Boltagon. Black Bolt. Oh Holy hell. Holy hell. Um... <laughs> Was that a was that an issue when they were creating that character? If they did they have enough drugs or was it too much at that point? There's a lot of LSD going on, okay, like in the 60s and 70s. Hmm. Jack Kirby was an ornery dude. I don't even know who's behind this, but man, to be alive at that time. <laughs> anyway, the issue with Black Agar is that it's a name. He has Jesus. he has a mask in the comic and in mm-hmm. in, the, in this still in this photo. You just see his face. So people are losing their shit about that. Here's the (laughs) thing. I don't actually care about that. That doesn't bother me so much. Um, Because he's the leader of the group. He already can't talk. You already have placed an impairment on him in in terms of, like, his acting and what he can do. If he can't talk, you're already already limiting yourself there. If you put a mask on him on top of that... He's going to be the most wooden and laconic character this side of 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 Suicide Squad. Ooh. Okay. This we side, don't want of, none this of, side that. of Slipknot. So. <laughs> so I'm fine with the the open face yeah. thing, whatever. But then we look at some of these other characters. We got, I think, as you coined him, uh, Black McCree. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Overwatch. <laughs> Overwatch homeboy, character. Homeboy wearing a poncho in this picture. We got Tiny Wong. Tiny Wong. Tiny, Tiny Wong. <laughs> I deal with a fun size. Uh, it's actually a character named Karnak, but he does look like Tiny Wong. Don't tell me he doesn't. He 100% <laughs> looks like Tiny Wong. Um, uh, we've got, we've got, we were talking about Black Bolt. We've got Medusa. Oh boy! Now the thing about Medusa is she's maybe, if not the most well-known, the second most well-known in human character in the comic book. Mm. She has this bright, vibrant red hair that can like go for infinity. It, it, it can do all this stuff. Uh, that's great. That's fantastic. And I know they have to throw some CG in this or some CGI, but holy hell! Uh, this still photo, that is the worst wig I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, they need to throw CGI into her real life. Because, like, is this the first wig ever created in the history of humanity? Because <laughs> that's what it looks like. It looks terrible. <laughs> they need to get the production crew from RuPaul's Drag Race up Uh-oh. in there. Up in it. <laughs> Fix that. Fix it. 
It looks <laughs> real bad, guys. Um, so that's that's concerning. Uh, we don't see the dog, Lockjaw, the giant teleporting dog. Uh, also, where the hell is he? So I'm disappointed there. Uh, and then we get little uh, little Ramsey Bolton. Um, little Boltagon. Oh, little I hate Boltagon. this guy. Uh, but here's the great thing. I like that actor. I can't think of his name at the moment. But uh, in, in Game of Thrones, he played this, this guy who was trying to usurp power and become king. Uh, and was very, he's kind of a dick. Uh, in this show, in the human show, he's going to be a guy who's kind of a dick who is trying to gain power and become king. What? So a little bit of typecasting, but at least we know he can do it. Hmm. I think his name is Maximus, by the way. He's also the brother of Black Agar. So, like, <laughs> is his name Maximus Boltagon then? <laughs> it is, right? Like, it's his brother. Yeah. Oof. Uh, unless he did the coherent thing and got a last name changed when he came of age. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a hard, hard name to sell. My God. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I obviously just, just threw a lot of stuff out there. But, Chris, any any additional thoughts on this first look at, at Inhumans? Yeah. No. Uh, none so far. <laughs> I. So, here we go. You know, we... Yeah. People accuse us of being Marvel fanboys all the time. I, I, I'm i going to be honest. Man. I think this might be their first misstep. Their, their, their first hmm. real misstep. Yeah. Uh, I know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't always do as well as people would hope. I thought maybe, Iron Fist was pretty bad. Iron Fist is very uneven, but, you know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't know about this, man. Like we, I know it's just one photo, mm-hmm. but it's the first photo. Like they had right. to think long and hard about right. how they were going to present this to people, and this is what they came up with. Not only that, the first uh, couple of episodes or whatever are going to be shown together as like a movie, and mm-hmm. that's that's going to IMAX. So here, here's the thing. Here's my thinking. Maybe they know it's going to suck. Or like Medusa's oh, hair, and yeah. they're just like, let's make it a spectacle. Like, let's make it the thing that everyone wants to see because they want to see the train wreck. Uh, that's that's my thought. Like, I don't know what other reasoning about what's going on here with this show. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I'm interested in the property because because um, of season two for Agents of Shield, it focused heavily on uh, the Inhumans in the world, but I mm-hmm. I guess they're uh, Inhumans are a different flavor of Inhumans, so I'm interested in the property. Well, this is the royal family, right? Supposedly the royal family of the Inhumans, and they they live on the moon, right? That's their okay. thing. So I don't know how much of their stuff is going to be in space or on Earth, or how much it's going to connect to the Agents of Shield stuff. We'll see. I just, man, um, I'm like DC levels of unenthused. <laughs> <laughs> here uh with this um it's like yeah. it's like this and wonder woman switched places because i am really <laughs> i'm really liking what i'm seeing from wonder woman so far mm-hmm. um but but that uh any 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 last thoughts for this week um, before we wrap it yeah up? oh no uh, i was thinking the only person to play point off uh, to, to pull off a character playing uh wearing a mask the entire time was hugo weaving in v for vendetta right uh, you can't if you don't have him don't even try that's a, that's a really excellent point. Uh, which, by the way, kudos to him. That's not an easy thing to do. No. Not at all. Um, 
<sighs> okay, well that's it, guys. I know we ran a little long this week. We just uh, wanted to give Guardians all the time in the world. Uh, go see it. Listen to the soundtrack. I have the soundtrack. It's really great. Um, and um, happy Mother's Day to all our listeners out there to uh, for who it applies to. Um, <laughs> until next time, the Fortress of Potitude is closed. Stay super, everyone. So long, guys. 